Hey everybody, this is Tanya and my show is called Random Shit, a show where we talk about things that are just random. And today's episode is focused on essential workers, uh, hazardous pay for teachers because fall's right around the corner and what's going to happen when you step back into the classroom. And then lastly, what are your summer plans? What are you going to do as we try to re- as we try to renegotiate this whole idea of the new normal? So now, let's start with essential workers. So um, me and my boyfriend were having a conversation one day as I was driving him to work, and he pretty much tooted, well, I'm an essential worker, which means that I'm important. And I'm not discrediting his claim at all. I believe he is very important, and what he does is important because it's a service to uh, the community. It's a service to people in that city, and it's a service to people in uh, Southern California. But the question I had is, is he just essential to the people that purchase things from his establishment? Or is he also essential to the people who are profiting from the fact that he decided to put his life on the line, go to work every day to ensure that they have profit margin at the end of this whole pandemic. And when you think about the ideal of essential, and when we think about what does essential really mean? Essential means important, okay? It means that you are absolutely needed, whether it's a crisis or not. And so our frontline workers who are in healthcare, our financial workers and banks, the people that provide us goods and services, whether it be at a fast food restaurant or in a grocery store, are yes, They are essential and we appreciate them, but let's not be fooled. If he decides tomorrow not to go to work because he is shooken by the idea that, oh my gosh, we're still in the process of being in a pandemic. They don't have a vaccine. Uh, COVID-19 is consistently um, mutating and we don't know what these new symptoms are. If he decided to leave, The people that he works for are not going to be like, oh, shit, please don't leave us. We need you. No, they're going to get back online. They're going to post his job and they're going to fucking fill his position. Now, at this point in time, he is absolutely essential. But is he forever going to be essential if he decides that he doesn't want to work there and he no longer is willing to put his life on the line and make these people money? Fuck no. These people are going to continue to grab the next person, make their profit margins and move on. So when we talk about essential workers, we need to talk about the people that sit in these, you know, ivory towers and believe that they have these glass ceilings that can't be broken. They're making a lot of money out of the people that go to work every day who essentially are putting their lives on the line, the essential workers. But what about my life? Is my life not essential to you? Because I'm getting paid the same amount of money I was getting paid or a little bit more than before the pandemic. You're not giving me a bonus every week for putting my life on the line. You're not giving me any free products or services for being there. While you'll still give me a discount, I mean, you're still going to make money off of me too. Even though I decided to go to work every day to make sure that you make hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, that doesn't sit well with me. And if you're listening to this, this really shouldn't sit well with you. Because how much money are these people putting back in the pockets of the regular Americans who are struggling? They're fucking not. 
They don't care about your bills, your livelihood, your anything. When you go to work tomorrow, if you're an essential worker and you're a frontline worker, I want you to either email or call human resources. I, I want you to look at the insurance policy that the company has on you because they do. Now, in the event that you pass away from COVID-19 and you get sick, does that money go to your families? And if it doesn't, consider this. How essential are you to them? Uh, You make the money when you're alive and you might possibly make money for them if you're not here either. I'm going to take a short break and I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about hazardous pay for teachers. This still goes in line with this whole idea of being essential because as we know, teachers are a very essential part of keeping our educational structure uh, uplifted. And what happens to these teachers as they step inside the classroom in the fall? Who's going to protect them? Hey, everybody. Okay, so we're back. And now we're going to talk about hazardous pay for teachers. And you're probably like, so why does an educator need hazard pay? Um, So I was on a job interview with the school, which I'm not going to name. And I started asking questions. So the way that they were interviewing me, it made me believe that distance learning was not going to happen in the fall when we returned. And it was very perplexing to me because in California, the UCs and the Cal States have decided that Uh, The fall, they're not doing any type of uh, physical in-class teaching. It's going to be all online. They're going to still adhere to social distance guideline because there's no vaccine. And we're still not really sure what's going on with COVID-19. And the health, uh, the healthcare profession doesn't really understand um, this particular uh, disease, this particular virus, because it changes and its symptoms are now creating strokes. And it's just, it's crazy how the symptoms have pretty much expanded uh, throughout our understanding of COVID-19. And so when I started asking questions about how they're going to protect the teachers and the students that enter these buildings, quote unquote, um, (laughs) in the fall, the answer was a little astonishing. So uh, pretty much my understanding was they were going to go to 50% capacity. That means that there would be a max of 15 students in a class per teacher. And while before the pandemic, this would be a dream because it's a one to 15 ratio um, per student, which means smaller class size, we all know, create bigger learning gains because a teacher doesn't have to monitor as many bodies. But in the midst of a pandemic, it could be problematic because you have 15 students in a small enclosed space. And a lot of these charter schools, unfortunately, are built like prisons where there are no windows in the classroom. Uh, there are very confined spaces. The hallways are very small. Everything is small and very entrapped. Now, if you are a charter school that has massive amount of money, then your charter school may be a little bigger, like a previous charter school that I worked at that actually had windows, but those windows didn't open. And if you're a charter school that doesn't have funding and you're just getting off the ground, you may be what we call a co um, a co-location school, or you are served under Prop 39, which means you share a space with an LAUSD school. So if you have a Prop 39, you'll have better facilities because, as we know, LAUSD is a billion uh, billion dollar industry in education, and their classrooms tend to be extremely huge, 
doors that open to the outside, okay, like most schools, not like charter schools, where when you open a door, you open it to the inside of a building, so the, the air in the building is stale and stagnant. So you're opening your door to the outside, you're able to look outside, and you have windows that open si- outside that actually circulate fresh air into the classroom. Now, when I started asking questions about, so are the students going to be able to wear masks? What's going to go on? They were talking about uh, like door stops, foot stops, where the students didn't have to grab the handle and they just uh, stepped on this bottom, uh, bottom stoop and the door opened. And these are all great precautionary measures. But you know what a better precautionary measure would be? Just not going back into a building especially if your building is not equipped to ensure that um, the pandemic is going to spread like wildfire. Putting 15 students in a classroom, that means along with a teacher or a special, uh, special resource teacher, it could be 7 to 18 people in that classroom, which is a small gathering, which falls outside of the guidelines um, that the CDC has pretty much proposed. We're saying it should be less than 10 people. So how are you going to accommodate when the CDC is telling you it should be less than 10 people and you're talking about putting 15 people in the class? My personal advice is this. They should just continue with the online distance learning, uh, making it easy for students to be online and learn online and everybody's safe, at least until December. Come January 1st, if they decide that they want to go back to a brick and mortar school and have more physical contact with students, absolutely. But this year, I feel like charter schools or just schools in general should take the whole idea of going back into a building off the table. Now, if they decide that they're not going to take it off the table, here's my issue. And this is where I think teachers need to listen very closely. If they're asking you to go back into a building with 15 students, that means there are 16, to, 16 of you in a classroom. And on certain days, depending on if you have an RSP teacher in the classroom, it can be 17 to 18 people. If they're asking you to go back into a classroom with all those bodies, you need to be asking for more money. You heard me. You need to be asking for more money. You need to be asking for hazardous pay. Because COVID-19 is a very infectious and contagious disease. And so for them to say to you, oh, we need you to go back into the classroom to ensure that students who don't have a child care provider are being taken care of and we're supporting our um, low-income families is ridiculous. They're asking you to be a martyr to the cause in order to ensure that um, low-income families have a quote-unquote child care provider between work hours. What does that do for you in the event that you become very sick with COVID-19 and you perish? Especially if you are someone who has small children, you have a family of your own, or you plan on wanting to have small children if you're currently married. I just feel like schools need to rethink this whole approach because this shit is bananas to me. How are you going to ask somebody to go back into the classroom, put their lives on the line for 15 other people? And you're not willing to pay them more. If that's not in the cards, I would say don't do it at all. And even if it's in the cards, I would still say don't do it. Uh, your life is worth more than that. I, I would demand that teachers now uh, ask these schools to do, to do online distance learning. Period. Until at least January 1st of 2021. If they're unable to do that, then strike. There's nothing wrong with you deciding that you're going to sit this out and that you're not going to go into a classroom and teach. You're not going to put your life on the line. 
This is not about providing uh, suitable childcare to low-income families. This is about saving your life. And when they're asking you to martyr yourself for someone else, mm, that makes me very, very, very suspicious of the idea that this is more of a corporation than an educational institution. I want to end my show today on a lighter note and talk about summer plans. So I know summertime is is here, especially here in Southern California. The days are becoming warmer. They're more beautiful. Uh, this is beach season. This is beach weather. And since we're still in the middle of COVID and we're still trying to grapple with this new idea of normal, what are you planning on doing this summer? You know, airlines are open now. People are free to travel. You're able to do things. Um, I even went out and got my passport um, because even if I decide not to travel this year, next year is definitely going to be my travel year. But as you go out and you're deciding what to do for your summer or you deciding to go to the beach or deciding to go to that restaurant that's decided to open because they are saying, well, hey, they're uh they're loosening uh, the social distance requirements. So we're going to go ahead and, oh, the shelter in place requirements, excuse me. And so we're going to go ahead and reopen. Take into account that you still need to be safe. You still need to wear your face mask. You still need to wash your hands. You still need to social distance yourself from uh, six feet from people or two meters um, if you're using uh, the customary system, uh, the metric system and not the customary system. Um and for me, I'm a beach person. I love the beach, but I am not going to risk my life this year going to the beach because um, I'm so amped because it's summer. And it really concerns me and troubles me that people started going out into the street protesting uh, that they wanted to um, enjoy their summer months. When in reality, we should just all pretty much play it safe. You want to have a barbecue? Make sure it's less than 10 people. Make sure you all are social distancing. Make sure you're using precautionary measures when you cook. Uh, you want to go to the beach? I'd advise you to go early. And, you know, I do this advisory, then 100,000 people go early. But if you get to the beach and you see there's a lot of people, then just don't go that day. Or just sit in your car and admire the beach from your car. It's going to be okay. Until all of this is over, we just need to be a little bit more mindful of the actions that we do. Um, as I was driving on the, the freeway, it was saying, action saves lives. And it does. And as you're planning your turnips for the summer, just remember, this is not just about you. You're going to come in contact with hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And what are you going to leave them with? Are you going to leave them with a smile, knowing that you too uh, did what the CDC re recommended to you? Or are you going to leave them with a virus that may cause them to be sick or may cause the ones that they love to get sick? Just remember, we're in, all, we're, we're, we're in this together. And each one of us needs to do our part to make sure that everybody's safe for the rest of the year, not just the summer months. So, hey, turn up, enjoy your summer, but remember, be safe. Hey, you want to give me some feedback or give some recommendations of, an, of another show? Uh, you can email me at informativebutrandom at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from my listeners, hear about some of the things that you're interested in hearing Um I'm working on adding a new seg a few new segments, and um, I'm just curious about what it is that you would like to see more on this show. Once again, it's informative but random at gmail.com.